today is our rally day for small groups. We talk about this. Uh, we do this at least three times a year. Two times we do 12 weeks, and then the summertime, sometimes we don't do a summertime kind of small group. It just depends on what's going on, how many people are wanting to do a group. Some people do a group through the summer anyway, <laughs> and that's okay. But, uh, but this, this time we're starting our, our spring small groups. We launch them next week, so we'll talk about our small groups today. Out these doors and into our cafe, we've got some tables set up where the group leaders will be there, whoever's leading the small groups, and they'll, it gives you an opportunity to just ask them about the group. We're going to share in just a couple of minutes about the different groups, um, but it gives you a chance to talk to them, see if that's something you want to you know, take a chance on, take a risk on if you've never been in a small group before. Um, but again, part of the testimony is there's something about connection. That's what God's all about. He's, he created us to need one another, and so he's going to make sure that we do. But I'm going to bring up our small group uh, leaders and share. Um, I don't, Alan Palmer, you, you, do you want to share this morning? I had you first on the list, but I was going to talk about you because you, I didn't know you were going to be here. You, <laughs> you didn't even, Do you want to share? You want to share about your group? Come on up. We got the, okay, just hand it to him as he comes up. Hey, everybody, this is Alan Palmer, the wisest man on the planet. <laughs> also the kindest. Come on up. Well, I've got a group. Loud? Yeah, it's good. Okay. They'll turn you up. Uh, it's called Hebrew Men. Uh, the reason it's sad is because we drink coffee on Wednesday morning. So it has <laughs> nothing to do with the book of Hebrews. But uh, we meet at Dakota Coffee over here on 84 from 645. Can we to put about, that slide up? Sorry, guys. Uh, Sorry. They've got a slide for okay. you all so they can talk about, about 745. Uh, we have a topic each week that uh, I send out, and we just kind of talk and fellowship around that. So been uh, doing that for a very long time, so probably <laughs> eight or ten years that we've had that going on. And we do meet year-round uh, because uh, we've got a number of men who are involved in it who are not part of DCF, so uh, we just keep it going year-round. But you're welcome to sign up and come, try it out, uh, bring a friend, someone like that. Uh, be glad to see you there. Uh, and we'll be, we'll, we actually are meeting starting this Wednesday. I mean, we're, we met last Wednesday, so it's every Wednesday, so you can just drop in. And if you are not able to do it every week, uh, you see that wouldn't be a commitment you could make. If you do sign up, I send out the information every week, uh, usually on Mondays. So you can drop in and just be a part of it one week occasionally. So however you would like. So. Cool. Thanks, Al. So that's Hebrew men, Wednesday mornings at 645. That's in the morning, in case you guys are wondering. Uh, Beth's going to come up and share about the Connected Child group she's going to be leading. Hey, good morning. He said two minutes. Here we go. Or less. Uh, I said or less. I know, I know. I'm taking my two. <laughs> Dang, 15 seconds. Gone. Anyway, the Connected Child. So, again, it is for parents uh, grandparents, I'm stealing Alan's uh, announcement last year when we talked about the Empower to Connect conference. If you've been a child, if you have a child, <laughs> if you have a grandchild, if you have a niece or a nephew, and then Alan's word, which I love, if you've ever been a child, <laughs> come. Because it's not only how we relate and connect to our kids in a biblical, godly fashion, it's also how we learn to connect with one another. And that's the thing I find most powerful about it, is it's, it's kind of targeted to our adoptive and foster 
parents. However, it is all about connection, and that's what we're about at DCF. It's encountering grace and the Holy Spirit, and encountering grace is what this book is all about, how we encounter grace with one another, how we give grace to one another, how we connect in the way that the Lord designed us to connect, which the bottom line is just love, loving you when things look good, loving you when things don't look good, and it translates to our kids, but I find in my marriage, it helps. <laughs> I apply the connected child to my marriage because I act like a kid sometimes. So um, come be a part. Uh, so I'm going to be on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7.30. And we're going to actually open the church up at 5.30 for people to come and hang out before. We just kind of want to have, you know, bring your food, whatever. Monday nights here at DCF, be here at 5.30, bring your yummies. It's going to be good. Loretta's going to come up and share about her group, Living from the Unseen. Here we go. This is on Monday night at 6 o'clock, so Monday's popular, and um, it's a supper and book study, and the book study that we're doing is Living from the Unseen by Wendy Backlund, and those that have been in the group before, it's the same author, um, and let's see, we meet at Sandy's house, Sandy Dykes, and um, everybody brings a covered dish, and we share, and then we talk about the book. We discuss the book. Um, the book is, I'm just going to read a little bit from the back. Um, we are first and foremost a living, a spirit living in a natural body, learning to see, hear, and access the spirit realm and its principles, learning to live through the eyes of the spirit is transforming and freeing. Living from the unseen reveals that we can live life through the eyes of the spirit with an awareness of spiritual realities and principles that affect our everyday lives. This is a book that shares insights on how to obtain a transformed life through renewing your mind. And um, that's basically it. it. It says believing differently, not trying harder is the key to change. You cannot do what you don't believe you are. Come on. You are only, you can only receive what you think you are worth. Rather than learning how to die, it's time to learn how to live. Come on. That's good. <laughs> Thanks, Loretta. Galen, you want to come up? Creative Freedom? Is that the name of your group? Okay, I'm just checking. I got something wrong earlier, so... Let's hope, let's hope I got the other information right. And, yeah, the other information is good, too. So good. Tuesday nights, we're changing the group time from Wednesdays to Tuesdays. <clears throat> 6 p.m., still going to be here. The other change in this is this is not going to be as structured. It's the last time we came and we were all like, okay, this week we're going to try this, and this week we're going to try that. I want to open this up to more of a time of worship and creativity. So we will be in the cafe. Bring whatever creative endeavor you're working on. If you are writing, bring your writing. If you're painting, if you want to draw, if you want to cross-stitch, if you whatever creative thing you do and you want to do, bring it. We'll have the worship music going. We can um, help each other, ask questions. But it's going to be just an open time of you bring whatever is in your heart to do. And we come together and enjoy a creative couple of hours in his presence. I love it. It's good. 
I was going to call this the hippie small group when I brought her up, but I thought that wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, one thing that's really cool, I love this about, uh, you know, I'll joke aside, um, the testimony that Marcy had about Travis coming was a really cool thing. That it was kind of unexpected in how, the create, how oftentimes creativity is there and we don't know it's there. So if, if that's something that you may be feeling the Lord kind of prodigy in, you're like, oh, I should write or I should do this, um, you know, creative dancing, whatever that means, Alan Mitchell, if you want to do that, that's... <laughs> See, now I've limited you, brother. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, really, if that's something that's in your heart, please come out and do that. One of the things we love when uh, Gay Lynn came, um, she has such a passion for creativity, not just, obviously she paints, she paint, paints back there and tries to paint as she's listening to what the Lord is saying. And oftentimes there's some incredible prophetic words that come through her painting. Well, actually every time she, she, gets, it, she gets it right often in uh, ways that we didn't even see coming. So it's really cool. We use that for, with our leadership team as well. So it's a big deal. Please come out and be a part of that. Um, the the one I want to bring up t- now is uh, Tim Fox. Tim's going to come and he's going to talk about um, as one. This is uh, something we've been talking about for a long time, um, praying into, and we've talked about starting something like this for a while. So it is a group, but it's also a little more than that. So I'm just going to give him a chance to talk a little, a little bit about that. Yeah, sorry, man. I'll move it. Get it out of your way. There we go. Hey, good morning. Um, Everything I'm about to say, I want to do from the context of, uh, as, we, as I speak of masculinity, it's from the godly perspective, how God sees men, not from the world's perspective. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm totally out of my comfort zone right now, uh, but every time I tried to put this on the back burner, the, God, the Lord kept pushing it forward and, and pushing me forward, and I just couldn't say no. So, uh, here we go. Um, Mike Nosser and I gave a testimony probably, I don't know, four months ago now from a men's retreat we went to at Northlands. Um, and that testimony for me, uh, one of the things I came back with was uh, that I wanted to be a man that sharpened other men, and I wanted to be a part of men who sharpened me. And, um, and I also threw out a challenge that day. I said, get ready because something's coming. Well, I think it's here. Yeah, so, come on. so here's the challenge, <laughs> um, and it's 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 twofold, um, and I'm probably going to take a little longer in two. No, minutes. you're fine. Take your time. So, um, the, the group DCF men as one, uh, it's to me it's more than just a small group, but that's a small group. The context that we're going to start this out as, and it's we're going to surround it with. Um, or I guess how we're going to frame it within the context of a book by John Eldridge called Fathered by God. And um, for the logistics of that, we're going to meet on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. here in DCF. Um, I encourage all the men to be here, and I encourage all the wives to prod their men, (laughs) their husbands, to be a part of this group. Yeah. Um, Make space for them. That's correct. Thanks, Karen. Um, Fathered by God is, it's, it's a book about the masculine journey, and it essentially John Eldridge has laid it out to where it's, uh, as men, we go through a, a masculine journey, starts out as beloved child, our beloved son, I should say, uh, the cowboy phase, the um, warrior phase, the lover, the king, and the sage. And um, how that was impactful for, to me personally was, and I'll just use an example. Before I read this book, um, 
multiple times. Actually, I listened to it more. I haven't really read it. I've listened to it five or six times probably. The beloved son phase. Um, just a quick testimony. Um, parents divorced when I was five years old. Um, I was, I got a front row seat to uh, a mom, because I went with my mom, a front row seat to my mom, an abusive alcoholic boyfriend. And uh, that kind of robbed me of my beloved son phase. I never knew what it was to be a beloved son. Now fast forward, God brought men into my life. Actually, I was kicking and screaming and, and to a certain extent as even being a part of the group. But uh, two men from this, this uh, church, actually, um, Michael Bryan and Alan Palmer, who were able to help me, to, be, to validate me as godly men, as God saw me as a beloved son. So um, without being able to see yourself accurately and, and, and who you are as a man and what it means to what godly masculinity is, it's very, very hard for us to operate and step up in our roles as husbands, as fathers, as brothers, um, as a part of this church body. Um, so anyway, uh, we need to be validated men. We need to be affirmed. Uh, God's going to do that his way. He will do that. He has been doing it. We just so we need to open our eyes. And we need to put ourselves in a position, a relationship with other godly men for that to happen. Um, to happen properly. Because the world's going to validate you too. Um, but it's going to validate you through a whole other set of rules. Um, now, I said this was in a broader context. I believe that, and I sense, and I think Dave's alluded to, and Karen's alluded to, and our prophetic words that's been spoken over this church... The DCF has a larger role. We're being called into a larger, larger role and in our community and in this church. And uh, I believe and I sense that if men, me included, I'm speaking to myself, do not step up and step into their roles, then, then, then we're not going to fulfill that, that purpose, at least not in an in a impactful way that we could. And um, so it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for you guys. So I said this was in a broader context. If, uh, if I could kind of, I'm going to show you a quick video, a little snippet from the movie Gladiator. And um, just to set up the scene, uh, Maximus is standing there and he's facing the gate. And there's a group of gladiators in this, uh, uh, whatever they call that. I don't even remember what it was called now, but a big stadium type thing. Um, and they're facing a gate, and they don't know what's about to come out of that gate. Not exactly. They know something's about to be leashed against them with the goal of taking them out, but they're not exactly sure what it is. And uh, so I want you to kind of view this through spiritual eyes, if you can, um, of what's happening. Hell throws things at us. The devil throws things at us. And in the process, was. It's swirling around us, and you'll see this in the chariots that are running around these guys. And there's guys that are going to be singled out because they are on an island by themselves, and it's very easy for the enemy to take us out when we're like that. Um, But Maximus pulls them together into this, uh, he calls them together, 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 hold. And uh, they form this thing called, uh, essentially they lock shields, and they form this thing called the Roman tortoise. And it's a, 
It, it protects you. It protects the soldiers in their rear. It protects them in their front, in their flanks, left and right. And uh, they're able to survive the, whatever the enemy throws at them. So, um, and also this adds one thing. It's hard to hear, but when he's called, when Maximus calls them together, his last thing he says when he calls them together is as one. And they, and, and then, I don't know, it's just powerful to me. I may not show it because I've contained it pretty well, but I'm a little bit passionate about the men of this church and what we've been called to. And um, I think the Holy Spirit's moving on our hearts, not just mine. I think He's been moving on every man in this body's hearts. And if you're here today, um, I think there's a reason why. And I just want to invite you in to this opportunity for us to have a relationship together, uh, to become, um, become the man God's called us to be, see ourselves more accurately, um, kill passivity in our lives, and um, just step, in, step into all that God's got for us. Anyway, we'll see, see how it works. Good job, Tim. Thank you. It's perfect, man. You take it down there. All right. So I told you I only had an hour and a half, so... But that was inspiring, so now it's two hours, so I'm sorry. No, <laughs> we're going to let you guys uh, go a little bit early. Um, what we'll do is we'll release you guys, if you would, when, once we release you here in just a few minutes, uh, to go out to the small groups and talk to the small group leaders. Uh, if you have kids in the kids, uh, kids' church, please grab your kids um, before you go back there. That gives an opportunity for everybody who's working in the kids' church to come out and connect with small group leaders as well uh, and make their decisions. Um, I don't have a lot to say. I, I need to let you know that we're also doing a small group of sorts. Um, we're doing a missional community, my wife and I. Uh, something we've been passionate about for a while and, and trying to build foundations for as our groups grow. Um, one of the things we're doing is asking the Lord to challenge us to move our groups, uh, move us into a mentality where we're not just reaching in and blessing one another. And that's a wonderful thing. As Tim said, you know, God's passionate about the men of this house. But part of the reason, as Karen was saying earlier during worship, that as God brings us together, he makes us whole, he does that because what he pours into us, he wants to pour out into others. So the abundance in which he fills us up is the abundance in which that overflows into other people's lives. That's salvation, that's the kindness of God, that's the grace, the goodness of God, that's putting people in a family. Um, the Bible says that God sets the lonely in family, that's his passion. So his heart is to bring us together and there are those that are outside who are looking in, maybe they're not even looking in. They don't even know what they're missing. They're missing family, they're missing connection with their father. Whatever they're missing, part of what God's called us to do is to reach out. So part of what we do in our missional community when we connect is we pray for people that God has connected you with already. What we've discovered is, is that God is already working in people's lives. You have a sphere of influence. Every person in this room, in this church, has a sphere of influence already. And God has prepared the hearts of many of those people that you're connected with, people you work with, your neighbors, all these different people. We think we have to go out and reach people for Jesus, right? We don't. God's been reaching out long before we ever even got there, right? He, we notice that in our own lives, and we know that's true in others. And what we've discovered is when we pray into that and say, Lord, who are you calling me to? I can love everybody. I can be kind. I can minister to tons of people. I can pray for people. Wonderful. 
But there are some people that God has prepared ahead of time to hear this message of peace, people of peace we call them, and that they're prepared. And when God connects you with those people, you spend time with them, you lean in, you pray, you ask the Lord to minister, show you how to reach out to them. And what we've discovered is that often is the catalyst that brings them into a walk with Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, and it's, if you do it that way, it's a whole lot easier. And the other thing is the reason why we do it as a, as a group is you're never supposed to do it alone. You're always supposed to do it with somebody in team. So come out and be a part of that. If you're interested, we'll be over there as well um, in the small group if you want to talk to us about that. Um, again, I just got a couple things I want to share. I had, had two scriptures. I may not get to both of them before I release this. Um, but but I wanted to just talk about um, tension for a second. I preached a series, actually a message, didn't turn into a series, but a message a couple, couple weeks back about tension. We were talking about coming into the new year and how often that creates a ton of tension. You know, the, the things I want to do, the things I'm able to do, you know, do I have enough money for it? You know, I want to do it, but is it what God's, so it creates this tension. And, I, and if, if you notice, God is not afraid of tension. God puts tension in our lives on purpose. Most of us don't like tension because tension often leads to conflict or eventually compromise, you know, it's like, oh, I just, I just don't want to deal with it because it feels like my peace has been disrupted, right? And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So as young Christians, the moment peace goes away, we think Jesus has gone away. <laughs> how many of you guys know that's not how it works, right? So you can have a storm raging around you and be full of peace as you're in the storm. This is something we learn as believers. So, so God's not always interested in lifting the tension in your life. As a matter of fact, Oftentimes, he puts it there on purpose. So I want to talk about how relationships work in tension, because as we get ready to go into small groups, one of the phrases you'll hear over and over again is, iron sharpens iron, which sounds really spiritual until you see the sparks fly, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, iron sharpens iron in my marriage, and then, you know, it's like, wait a second, is that what he's talking about, right? And if you ever notice this, like, you, you know the buttons to push, like, my my wife knows every button that's ever been invented in my, you know, wherever I'm broken, right? She knows them because she's known me li- literally since the seventh grade. And so, and I know hers. And there's something beautiful about our relationship. We don't always get this right. But when I can push the button, when she could push the button, the kindness of God in the fact that we don't, <laughs> right? That's powerful. But it creates a tension because part of the tension is if I push the button, I I at least get a measure of peace because that's what sends her over the edge or sends me over the edge, and then we're just not talking. The truth is tension stays there, but relief comes, right? Right? See how that works? And so, so we, often, we often do these kind of things. We find ourselves not entering into a certain relationship. We push back against, against things. You see this in business. You see it in church. It's like, oh, man, you know, we don't want to do this because that's going to create tension. That's going to create conflict. Where in the world do we think that we're not going to see conflict in this world? Jesus literally said, he said, there's peace I have to give you, right? But in this world, you're going to have trouble. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. It's going to happen. So, so there's nothing wrong with tension. As a matter of fact, often, often God puts tension in place. So tension can be a good thing because things aren't always black and white, and you don't always see things accurately. And tension forces you to take a look at things that maybe you otherwise would not. Again, our tendency is to lean into one way or the other. In other words, we don't want tension at all, or we thrive on drama, right? <laughs> we never release the tension. It's just constant tension, and there's no up and down. There's no movement. It's just one space, and it's just constant drama. So we tend to find ourselves in one of those two places. But here's a scripture, again, that's helpful. 
Um, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so that sounds like a terrible thing to say, right? As we go into small groups, right? <laughs> there's a way that seems right, but the end of it is death. And so what that scripture is saying is that the way we think something ought to work oftentimes is not how it ought to work right? You ever notice this? You look backwards in your life and you look at some of the things that you, you know, the road that you went down that you thought was totally not God. And then you look back and go, oh, that was totally God. It was not fun. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. <laughs> there was a lot of tension, conflict, challenge that was involved. But I look back, man, something in that caused me to grow, caused me to take a step of faith. It caused me to, to step up. Whatever it was, something there caused you to, to take a step of faith. Um, so I asked this question during prayer time, and I'll throw this out to you, and, and this is why I'm doing this on purpose. Um, I'm not, I don't sail um, in terms, I, I yard sail, but I don't sail ships. Um, so um, when you sail a ship, I don't know if you knew this, but the physics of, of a sailboat, when you sail a ship, if the wind is coming from the back, most people think that if you position a sailboat with the sails kind of laterally, you know, sideways, with the wind coming this way, and, it's, and the sailboat's going that way, that's the best way to do it, right? Because it doesn't make sense, the wind is pushing it from the back. So the danger is we think that about life oftentimes, that the best way is always the wind it's my, is at my back, you know, everything's, I can see it it's clear, there's no tension, there's, everything's, it's pushing me. So I'm just, woo, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Except for that's not at all how sailboats work. <laughs> so you can act, go look it up on Google, just the physics of a sailboat. It's fascinating. What the way they work is, if, if the wind is coming this way, the best way to, to go to move in a sailboat is act, actually to sail into the wind. Now, not directly, but a little, at a little bit of an angle. And what happens is there's a tension between the sail and the rudder and the destination that causes us to move towards that destination. Um, they interviewed, in one, one video I watched, they interviewed a, um, a sail, uh, he was a captain of a sailboat who had won, you know, tons of championships. And they asked him, so is there any limit? Because what happens is when, the, when, can you go faster than the wind? In other words, if the wind is at three knots, can you sail faster than the wind's coming at you? It's an interesting question, right? He said, absolutely you can. He goes, is there any limit? <laughs> and he said, well, yeah. He said, in physics, you know, there's friction, right? There's friction against the sail, so there's so much friction that occurs, and there's friction against the hull of the boat. But outside of that, there's no limit. Because the way it works is the wind coming across the sail creates a high and a low pressure like a wing, and it pulls it through the wind, so there's this interesting phenomenon, you see this in your Christian walk, especially in relationships with people, that, that, that the way to move forward is oftentimes not with the wind at your back, but in full-on tension with the sails shaking and the rudder creaking in the hole, and you're like, ah, right? <laughs> it's like, ah, you know, and it's right, it's like, you're like right on the verge of crashing or losing, you know, it's going to flip over. It's like, yes. And the thing is, you cannot set on a sailboat, you cannot set an autopilot. You can't do it. it because it, it, in tension, you have to constantly be adjusting the tension. And see, the same thing's true in relationships. You're going to join small groups, and you're going to get in a small group, and as, because you're a Christian, you think you're supposed to get along with everybody. I don't know where you heard that. That's totally not true. Jesus had favorite disciples. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, but he did, <laughs> right? And so, and, and people are the same way. There are some of you guys that I like more than the others, but I'm not telling you who, right? <laughs> 
because I'm a good pastor and I want you to think that I love you. You're my favorite. I say this even, right? Every one of you. We used to do this with the teenagers all the time. You're like, you know, my, you're my favorite. So one lady, had, she had 10 kids. Eight of them were adopted. And I, we told every one of them privately that they were our favorite. And that went on for like a year until one of them, you know, said it out loud in front of the other friends and we were called out. Anyway, it's a bad idea. <laughs> but, but in the scheme of things, everybody's God's favorite, obviously, right? But, but in relationship, there are going to be people that you get along with, and it's easy. Man, it just seems like, man, they were just made to be my best friend, and it's so amazing. And so you go, into, you go into small groups, you go into relationships, things go really, really well. Same thing with marriage. You get involved, you know, you go into marriage, you go into pre-marriage counseling, and, you know, and the pastor tells you, as long as you got Jesus, everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. I don't know where he got that, <laughs> but it's not in the Bible. Ultimately, it's going to be okay, Right? But in the meantime, you're going to have trouble. You know why? Because you just married, like most of us, we married young. And, and that's, you know God's into this and he's doing this in some way that we don't understand because who in their right mind would marry a 20-year-old, right? And, and what 22 or 24-year-old in their right mind with another 22, 24-year-old would have a kid? Are you kidding me? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. We should, have, we should do it backwards like Benjamin Button, right? You know, we live 100 years and then get involved in a relationship, be in that relationship for 100 years, and then have kids. Turns out in Genesis, that's actually how it worked. But anyway, that's another story. The whole point is, <laughs> as you get involved in relationships, some are going to go well, some are going to be easy, some are going to be challenging. The answer isn't to avoid it because there's tension. The answer isn't to wonder that when you started out and everything was going smoothly and then tension comes, all of a sudden that somehow this relationship is wrong. You started attending this. Is this true? This is just the way it works. Um, it takes about a year. If you attend DCF and you come and you want to plug in, it'll take you about a year. I know nobody wants to hear this, but about a year to really get plugged into DCF and really begin to know who you are, the people that you're hanging out with, the vision and the direction that God's called you to. Now, you can get a lot of that in the meantime in pieces and parts, but I mean just fully, about a year it takes you before you really connect. Because you know what happens? You begin to recognize that people are people, they have flaws, they have challenges, and God called you to walk with them anyway, right? And and some of you guys are like, yeah, I know those people. And all those people are going, yeah, I know you. <laughs> Isn't that how that works? And so God in his kindness, he allows us to have some relationships that are easier than others. But oftentimes, the, some of the best relationships in the world, the best relationship we'll ever have in this world are the ones that often have tension in them. My wife and I, iron sharpening iron, I promise you. The thing that has held us, there's a tension, is that the principle in marriage in the scripture is opposite and against. That does not sound like a godly marriage, does it? But it's exactly what the Bible teaches. Opposite and against. Masculinity, femininity, right? Certain giftedness, different kind of giftedness. Certain personality, different kind of personality. Not that one's better than the other, it's just that we're different. And he designed that on purpose. And all of us have that in any relationship we have with, we have with our kids, with our adult kids, especially challenging, right? We, we have with one another, the leaders in our church, our boss, the president, you know, <laughs> pick one. There's tension in these relationships. The key is to understand that God meant for there to be tension. And this is what we discovered in our relationship, that as long as we have the same destination, that sails and rudders actually help a ship get to the destination. So you need sails and you need rudders. You need opposite and against. You need tension to actually get the vision that God's called us to. Because in this process, 
We work things out. The Bible says that we love one another deeply from the heart. Why? Because if you, leave, if you love one another shallowly from the body or however <laughs> the opposite of that would be, as soon as you discover that that person is a human being with flaws, you're out. And you can't build anything. You can't build a marriage that way. You can't build a family that way. You can't build a business. You definitely can't build the kingdom that way. So Jesus loved you in your worst possible scenario. And he made a way for you, trusting that if, you, if he said, this is who you are, and I'm calling you into this, that vision to call you forward into every possibility, every, into every inheritance that he designed for you to have in his family, it's not like he didn't know you were going to be a knothead. Right? Don't you love it when you surprise God with your sin? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I know you didn't see that coming. See how dumb that sounds when you say it out loud? Right? It's not the whole point of the cross is he saw it coming. Right? But his heart is I'm going to call young men to be fathers, I'm going to call young women to be mothers. I'm, I'm going to grow us up. And in our relationships, God makes sure there's enough tension and enough iron sharpening iron that something actually gets sharpened. And you actually get to where you're supposed to go. Amen? So I've got another scripture. It's about oxen and stalls being clean. And I'm not going to get to that one until next week. <laughs> a little preview. That one's a fun one. But I just want to remind you that as we go into this, you choose to be in small groups, not because you want to or don't want to, but because you know God's called you to connect with brothers and sisters and be in community. It's the safest place. It's the best place. Oftentimes, as, as leaders, we find out and come visit you in the hospital about, you know, six hours after your whole small group's already been there and brought you food. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have relationships in your life, life that, that come up when things happen, somebody's there for you. Make sure you have that. Not everybody's going to be best friends with Karen and I, and you don't need to be. Some of you guys think we're weird, and we think you're weird, and both of us are right. <laughs> That's just the way it is. But you're going to find someone that you connect with, and God's going to give you deep relationships, and you're going to love one one another from the heart. And like Tim was talking about what that looks like as we gather together as men, the destination in the tension, we get there, and we get there quickly, we get there powerfully, and whatever cario God's called us to bring, we get it there on time and right, ready to go. So I just want to pray for us, and then we're going to release you guys out. If I can, go ahead and have the uh, small group leaders going out. Jesus, we just say thank you so much. Um, Lord, save us from religion. Dear God, <laughs> we, we screw this up so much. Lord, if you just call us back to Scripture and call us back to the way you do things. Lord, as we read and understand and get to know who you are, um, Lord, it's often different than what we think. That's why your word says there's a way that seems right, but the end of it, um, relationships die, vision dies, hope dies. It seems right, but it's not right. So Lord, teach us the way that we're supposed to do this, your way, biblically. So we submit ourselves to the one who invented relationships, who created us in all of our glory. Lord, even in our brokenness, Lord, you loved us and saw what we could be and you draw us out. So Lord, call us together. Call us together for your purpose and your plan. And also, Lord, because we need one another. We need hope. We need kindness. We need love. We need support. Lord, we need grace when we screw it up royally. We just need you, but Lord, you often work through the people that we, we see Jesus is with skin on, as we call it. And so, Lord, we just say thank you for that truth, and thank you for these small groups and these leaders who are willing to lead them and bring us closer to this dream that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.